You good? Yeah. Better? Hello everyone to our new episode of the Real Hero European Football Talk. Now with me today is Coach uh, Mella and yeah we're talking today a little bit about um, a small country around Germany, Switzerland. You know everyone knows in Switzerland they play also football. The most people just know the Kalander Broncos because of the European titles. But there is more going on in Switzerland, and they get a new board at the, Federa at the Federation. And we are happy to have today the vice president of um, the Switzerland Federation. Gleb is in here in the show. Welcome, Gleb, and how are you doing in this uh, crazy time? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Um, things are good. Uh, like I uh, said in the in, in the the pre-podcast pep talk. Uh, I'm, I'm in good health. My family's in good health. And uh, thankfully, uh, in Switzerland, and it appears uh, in Western Europe as a whole, things are slowing down a little bit with the pandemic. So, you know, slight optimism, I would say, all around. And, you know, fingers crossed that this can trickle down to, to sport and have a favorable outcome to sport, um, perhaps in the coming weeks and months. Perfect. And how you how you come to uh, Switzerland football? How you get with Switzerland football in touch? You start as a player or just as a vice president? How you uh, how you get in touch with Swiss football? Sure. Yeah. So I've been in, uh, involved in in some shape or form in Swiss football for over twelve years now. Um, actually, maybe maybe even more than that. Um, basically, many years ago in the mid two thousands. Uh, I started working uh, as a as a, um, a weekend job at McDonald's, <laughs> and uh, a few of the guys at the local McDonald's actually uh, had an American football team that they had just started, the La Côte Centurions in, in Glon, that's next to Neo near Geneva in Switzerland, um, and they were like, hey, come by, you know, uh, it's just fun, guys throwing balls around and uh, yeah. running some plays. Um, and, and that was, uh, maybe, uh, 2006, seven, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been involved in football ever since. So I started out as a player. Um, then I became a referee. Um, and, uh, I took over, uh, as a vice president and then a president of, of the local club, uh, after a few years. And, um, then we entered the Swiss American football, uh, association, the SAF as a club back in 2014 and that's where I started rubbing shoulders with uh, you know the Broncos and some of these other major players at league meetings as a, as a team president um, started refereeing at the uh, uh, with the association uh, at the national level as well so previously we were in a small local regional league um, and uh, yeah so basically I stayed with the Centurions for, for a long time Centurions, unfortunately, um, uh, a problem that will be familiar to a lot of teams, I think, in Europe. Uh, we're having recruitment issues, uh, and we, we lost a, a coach that we had, and things just kind of started falling apart. So today, uh, fortunately, the Centurions still live, but as a flag veterans team, yeah. uh, I moved on from, uh, from the Centurions to become the vice president of the Geneva Seahawks, uh, the vice champion of... Uh, of um, Switzerland for the past 
two seasons, and uh, I had a, a great time uh, working for the Seahawks uh, with Larry, Larry Legault, who's uh, one of the uh, best coaches, in my opinion, in Europe at the moment. Um, uh, former uh, former uh, head coach of the French national team and of the Black Panthers as well in Donal. Uh And so that was, that was a fun experience for me. But uh, on a personal level, I moved to Zurich actually uh, two and a half years ago. And it became increasingly difficult to uh, be an active member of the Seahawks on the other side of the country. Uh, a lot of the discussions and the negotiations and, yeah. and the processes were happening on an informal basis in person. And so I found that I was not able to contribute to the level that um, I wanted to. And so I stepped away uh, from, from that organization. Um, and then really less than a year later, um, I was talking to, to Claudio of the Lucerne Lions and a few other guys. And we were thinking, hey, wait a second. It looks like the SAF board um, has a few holes in it. We're not sure if the current president, Glenn, is going to stay on because, you know, he's spoken about not having enough time um, and having other things uh, on, on the personal side and professional side. And so we made a bid uh, with Claudio. We decided, you know, we'll just go for it. Um, get some guys together and see if we can make a positive difference. And here we are, uh, over six months later, in the middle of the biggest crisis yeah. European sports in Europe has faced, perhaps since World War II. So, um, you know, fun times, fun times, but uh, happy to be here and uh, it's been a hell of a ride so far. Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, I know Claudio and I, I think the change in the federation, this is the biggest need with the Switzerland was needed. And I love to see you young guys there um, and doing there something. What was your goal? Let's say there's no, no Corona. What was your vision or what is your vision for, uh, uh, for Switzerland football? But we all know nobody knows what happened after the crisis. But, but no, what sure. is your, your idea about Switzerland football? Sure. So um, when Claudio and I went into this uh, last year, Uh, we had a few common goals, I would say, and, and then I have a few personal ones as well. So I think in terms of common goals, we wanted to bring more structure and transparency to the league. Um, a lot of the decisions that were being made, uh, uh, be it under Glenn's tenure or, or previously, there wasn't, um, in our opinion, enough communication with the teams in terms of how these decisions were made, not enough involvement with the teams. So we were thinking, okay, how do we make this a bit more transparent, a bit more communicative? Um, it's, it's difficult. Obviously, we can't change that uh, overnight. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of volunteering, a lot of effort. But one, one of the things that we've tried to do in order to attain that goal is to work with Swiss Olympic and the local sports authorities in Switzerland in order to work on uh, improving our league structure and getting their guidance and counsel on how to tackle these things, how to approach uh, volunteer recruitment, structure, transparency with, with our finances and with our decision-making, things like that. So that's a topic where I think everybody in the board is aligned. Um, one of my kind of, I would say, personal things that um, is shared also by, I think, a lot of people in the league and, and And the board is safety. Um, so I, I've been aware of, you know, uh, CTE and, and concussion related uh, uh, issues for, for many years now. And um, I've uh, uh, taken a personal 
interest in it, having seen friends uh, suffering from um, from concussions in games and on the sideline and stuff like that. And so I have been working with Christian Varzeka, who is our uh, medical director in Switzerland for, for the league, on a concussion protocol. So that's that's still in the works. It, it, it takes a while to get that together and to actually roll it out and implement it. Um, but basically anything that we can do to improve player safety, um, including perhaps a concussion protocol, something we're working on, something we're trying to get through. Um, and then I think finally, the, the other point is developing, uh, developing the league and the game with youth. So maybe those things sound like they're counterintuitive, you know, safety and youth players. There's a debate around that. How do we make that work? But I think it's also important here to understand that I'm not only talking about tackle football, we're also talking about flag. And I think overall, if we are able to bring safety to tackle football and to develop flag football, we can have really something for everybody. And I think that um, if we can, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going really long with this, <laughs> with no, this answer. <laughs> but I think if we're able to build the, uh, build the game with, uh, the youth, uh, this will ensure the future success and longevity of the league. Um, I think in terms of numbers, you know, I'm not sure exactly. I don't have the numbers in my head right now for what we have in Switzerland. I think we're around maybe 3,000, give or take, at the moment in terms of total players. But um, most of the growth we've seen in the past 10 years has been actually with juniors. Yeah. We've developed under 16, under 19. We've developed flag uh, for, for kids uh, even, you know, as, as low as 10 or 9 or even younger with, uh, with some clubs like in, uh, in Geneva, for example, who, who have very well-developed junior programs. Um, and so that would be my area of focus personally. You know, this is not the league's direction, but I'm saying I think personally that if we can focus on developing youth football, uh, junior tackle, and flag, that is – you know, the, the key to the future, I would say, if we can do it in a safe and, and positive way. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that, uh, was my thing when I was in Lucerne. I was like, um, yeah, we need to go on the schools. We need to go get in touch totally. with, with all these kids around. And um, I mean, it's tough because soccer is everywhere. And in Switzerland, you have a big ice mm -hmm. hockey community, the, sure. the, the window sports, everything. But yeah, of course, getting getting more and more kids uh, in, in, involved in that. Um, that's, a, that's a really, really big thing. And just get a quick, big topic. What change uh, you make about Corona? We see you postponed the season or you cancel the season. Right. How was your uh, decision made? Because we read in the international paper, it was a, Five to one decision, or something, vote, or, or something like that. I don't know. Was it the right, or how? Right. How it comes to. Um, it? I think that uh, all of our, if we're talking about the NLA, yeah, and we're talking about the six teams in the NLA. Um, I was on that call, uh, so we were supposed to have our general assembly. I think this was mid March, and um, we did a Zoom instead, so we 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 stayed safe because already things were getting a bit hairy. Um, and so I think that there was differing opinions on what to communicate externally. That's for sure. There were differing opinions on the timelines, uh, for, you know, when to communicate, how to communicate, what can we say, what do we want to tell players and fans? 
Um, but overall, I think everybody had player safety in mind and everybody was focused on how can we do the right thing and follow government guidance and not put our players in danger while um, also giving something, some ray of hope to fans and, and players and coaches and, and sponsors and whatnot. And so this is where we arrived at the decision to cancel the NLA championship because it was uh, highly improbable that we would have enough time to run a full championship by mid-July. And so most of our, all of our presidents in that conversation felt that whatever we do, we need to do it by the Swiss Bowl date mid-July, that we could not extend it further into the summer. And that's really what drove us to make that decision. We figured that with the time that we already know we're not going to be able to practice and play, which at that point was already pretty much May 1st, right, um, de facto, or at least late April, um, we just didn't anticipate that we would have enough time to do a proper championship. Yeah. So the decision was not to say no more football in 2020. And that's not the decision today either. It's more a question of saying, in all fairness, we cannot call this a championship and we cannot crown a champion and have this season be comparable to future and past seasons with more games. It's just not mm -hmm. fair to everybody involved. Um, and that's, that's kind of the logic behind that decision. But that really applies to just the NLA. So the NLB and the NLC, um, up, until, uh, up until basically yesterday, we had not formally canceled uh, the championships. Uh, yesterday, we sent out an email communication to all the teams saying that we have now effectively canceled those championships as well. Um, and with that, we will, we will be publishing something along those lines, uh, I believe, later today or tomorrow on our website. But the teams are all informed. Obviously, I'm not going on here and saying this without the team's knowledge. Yeah. That would not be very professional. Um, but basically, we have come to terms as an association and I think the teams as well, seeing how things are developing in the world with coronavirus, that we will not be able to have any form of a championship this year. It's just not fair to set that expectation. However, we still want to put guys on a field and have some form of games. Are these going to be charity games? Is this going to be a cup? Are these going to be just, you know, a few friendlies? We don't know yet. But um, there is a desire from players, sponsors, teams, coaches, and from us, it's an association because, I mean, basically that's our mission, right? It's to put football on the pitch, mm -hmm. on the field. Um, we want to have football in 2020. We just don't know when that's going to happen and how that's going to happen. And that's an ongoing conversation with all the relevant stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's how it looks here in, in Germany as well. I mean, we, we have more teams. We have 16 teams in the GFL and eight North, eight South. And on one point, it's also for us. I mean, the German ball is 10th of October. On one point here is also when you want to play these games, you know. From yeah. September to October, it's six weekends or maybe right. five weekends. Um, yeah. But we are also looking for the opportunity to get some friendly games after everything is sure. done. And, I always say when we play, when we play at the Christmas ball at the Christmas evening, <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, and we are here in the corner. We are here in uh, Winterthur. It's just mm -hmm. around us and Palanda, mm -hmm. Austria, the Hohenems Blue Devils. Um, 
of course you can in comments. So if the borders are open, um, I think that can become some interesting friendly games for fans. And sure. I think everything that's on the table. I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, everyone want to go outside and everyone want to yeah. see see some exactly. Again. No, totally. I mean, that's that's totally um, obviously on on uh, everybody's mind is you know when can I go back to some form of uh, normalcy, right? Yeah. And I think the the challenge that we face as an association is that and as a sport, um, at least in Switzerland, but I, I think so. I think also in in other parts of Europe and the world is that a lot of the uh, current measures that have been implemented to uh, fight the spread of the virus, uh, namely the social distancing measures, yeah. prevent us from really having a clear path to playing anytime soon, right? So we already see that maybe as of June in Switzerland, uh, some sport can resume. Uh, but by some sport, what do we mean? We mean uh, sports that do not break the social distancing rules of two meters between each person and the rules of no more than five people in a public gathering. So, of course, with those parameters, American football is impossible, whether it's flag or tackle, right? So we anticipate that in the coming weeks and months, players will be able to train individually. Maybe they can go on runs together or work out together as, as pairs or small groups. Um, but in terms of uh, uh, putting people on the field and having them play, whether it's friendly or competitive football, as an association, we don't want to create that situation before people have enough time to train and to prepare. Because again, this goes back to my point about safety, right? We're not being responsible if we are saying, okay, you know, Berse and the federal council in Bern are saying, let's go green light tomorrow, right? We still need to give a few weeks of training to each of the teams to make sure that the guys are ready and to make sure that there's uh, a lesser risk of, of injury and, yeah. and so forth and so on. Right. So if, if right now June is what we're looking at for some return to sport, right. Then that means that at the earliest that's July, right. July we're practicing maybe in some shape or form as a sport. Um, so that means that, August is the earliest we can we can look to for any kind of organized football. And this is best case scenario, right? If people start going back out and there's no vaccine, there's no treatment, there's not enough testing, <laughs> things can spike again. We can be back indoors having more podcasts in two months, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's really hard for us to plan. We're, we're trying yeah. to prepare every single scenario possible. And we're still crossing our fingers that we can have football in the summer and the fall. And we're definitely working with the teams on figuring out how that can work and what the format can be. And uh, we really hope we can deliver football, but we're also monitoring guidance from Burn, guidance from the Federal Office of Sport, the BASPO, the OSSBO. Um, and, and also looking at that as well, because obviously that's important, right? And beyond that guidance, we also need access to fields. We also need access to infrastructure. Everybody's gonna be fighting over that as soon as there's a green light. So there's, there's a myriad of factors here to consider. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, American football is definitely not at the top of the totem pole when it comes to these considerations, right? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, that, well, you already mentioned it, but there's one huge topic what everyone also in, in, in Germany and around Europe is thinking. What is if we start playing again? I mean, there will be nothing against Corona. 
So right. what if you're playing and you figured out an opponent player has corona? Right. Is then the whole team not allowed to play or how that... I mean, yeah. this, is the, this is the biggest question before we can start again. And nobody, Absolutely. Nobody really can give an answer to it. No, no. And, and if we look at uh, uh, famous or, or popular sports as a precedent, you might recall that there was a player, I believe on the Utah Jazz or one, one of these NBA teams in yeah. the U.S., yeah. Who famously got Corona and then you know did this whole uh, ass hattery thing where he touched all the microphones and said he doesn't have it and then they shut down the league. Uh, they shut down the league within 48 hours after he tested positive. So, of course, if we start seeing cases of players testing positive, once we start some form of training, that's going to have a pretty big impact on on how we do things. Um, it's just impossible to plan for that right now. Yeah. There, there are scenarios that I can see this working. Um, hypothetically, if tomorrow, which is not the case, but if tomorrow Europe has sufficient testing kits that are working properly for everybody, right? Every single person, then okay, maybe that's a starting point, right? Or if tomorrow we know with 100% certainty that the chances of infection for under 19s are minimal, and yeah. that the chances of uh, complications for under 19s are minimal. That's, that's a starting point. But even in those scenarios, right, you still need referees, some of whom, Raymond, for example, our head of refereeing is past retirement age, right? Yeah. Um, you still need people driving buses. Do we put 50 people in a bus? Like, how does that work, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other moving parts here that even if we're able to figure some things out, there's a lot of other stuff that we need to consider. So definitely it's complicated. I don't want to, you know, say that we're expecting rainbows and, and unicorns here, right? But yeah. we're just we're just preparing for different scenarios with the information that we have right now and hoping for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's enough for Corona because we everyone. Uh, <laughs> if you keep going, sure. Go. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. These so, are these are the same conversations we have every day. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody, but, but, everybody's talking about this. So it's, yeah, it's just absolutely. it is what it is. Let's no. let's let's take a look on on the NLL on the NLA, the highest league in in Switzerland. You have this mm. outstanding team, the Kalanda Broncos. Um, you think it's a possibility to expire the league to more teams, or like I, I think six. It's I mean you have the first four already make the playoffs. Mm. Um, actually. When you win more than three games, you're in in the playoffs on one point. Sure. Is this something in your mind? You think, hey, to get it a little bit more interest, getting a, a bigger league there in Switzerland, or is there a wish from teams to doing this, or how how that will go? So um, yes, there is a wish uh, from teams. Uh, yes, there's an interest. We have looked at different formats as an association in the past. There have been different individual proposals from individual teams brought to league meetings in the past. Um, we've looked at an eight-team NLA. Uh, we've looked at um, other scenarios. We've looked at an NLA where you have to hit a gazillion uh, parameters to get in uh, to ensure that you stay in so that you avoid teams you know, coming in and out and, and, and getting steamrolled uh, because they got in uh, without really Uh, having the resources necessary to stay in. So there's a lot of discussions there for sure. Yeah. And personally, I think that um, a bigger league could be 
could be fun, could be interesting, could be more exciting. But I think the main thing to think about here with all of these considerations is the teams themselves, right? So as an association, we're trying to put the best product together possible for the teams. So if the teams want to go in that direction, we'll make it happen, right? If they don't, well, we'll wait, we'll wait and see. And so right now we're in that second bucket. We're waiting and seeing. We need eight strong resource rich teams. And by resources, I don't even, I don't only mean money, I also mean people. You need a, a, a heck of a lot of volunteers and uh, uh, personnel, sponsors around the team to make sure that your junior programs are running, to make sure that you have game day infrastructure, um, you know, even the guys holding the down markers, right? These are all people that you need. Um, and so I just don't think that we have those eight teams right now that have that infrastructure. You have some teams in the B League, Toon Tigers, Lucerne Lions, your former team, they're close. They're close. They're almost there. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, they go up, they're there. Maybe they go down the next year. Um, but there's few teams that can go up and stay up and, and be a burn of Intertour, Geneva, Kalanda, a Basel. You know, those are kind of the, the guys that have managed to stick around for, for more than five years, in some cases, more than 10 years. It's hard to get that um, kind of second layer from the B really putting a good product together and taking it to the next level. We saw, you know, Lausanne go up. We saw uh, Lucerne go in. Um, Lausanne's out, you know, Lucerne question mark, right? How's that going to play out in the future? So it, it's hard. I think it's hard to have in Switzerland with the resources and the personnel and the volunteers that we have. It's hard to have eight strong teams that can hold um, their presence in an NLA. So this is, this is why we still have six, right? And even six, uh, that six team, it's not stable. It's always going up and down, right? So um, to go back to your question, it would be more fun. It would be more competitive, but you need the teams to put it together. And if we can help with that, if we can help with some kind of structuring guidance council, we'll be, we'll do that. You know, uh, Claudio, obviously it comes from a team background. I come from a team background, John Jordan, our, uh, uh, technical director is the acting um, juniors coach for Burns. So we have a variety of experiences there that we can uh, uh, use to guide teams if they ask for our guidance and counsel. But the teams still need to do the heavy lifting of finding the personnel and the volunteers and the coaches to keep that well-oiled machine running. And that's really the challenging part. Yeah, absolutely. And you think teams scaled away when you, you have these two strong teams, Kalana Broncos with the international mm. titles, And of course, also the, the, the Seahawks. Uh, you think it scares also some teams away, say, oh, I mean, this is like four losses anyway. So why? Or no, 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 absolutely not. So, I mean, Geneva, pre Larry, they weren't anywhere near a title, right? Yeah. Um, so, if anything, when you have a strong team like Kalanda dominating, that makes it even more interesting to to dethrone the, the champion. You know, if you take the pros, the professional leagues in the U.S. as an example, you look at the big boys who win the championships, namely the Patriots, everybody's coming for them. You know, nobody's like, oh, they're too strong. I'm just going to stay home and watch Netflix, right? Yeah. People really want to deliver. They want to come out guns blazing and take down that those teams. And I've definitely seen games uh, as a referee Uh, where I'm in the in the middle of it looking at the these titans clashing and I've definitely seen games where 
the Broncos won, but when you look at the game tape, uh, you know, it was really close. And I've definitely seen games where Geneva, you know, they've scraped through or, or they've barely missed, for example, you know, with, with the Broncos there. Um, so, no, I don't think uh, uh, it discourages anybody. Now, you might have teams who are hesitant to say, I want to go up to A because they're not ready yet. But nobody's shying away from competition in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. And to the national team, because I'm also the head coach of Team Czech Republic, and we actually have a game this year against each other, but we don't. <laughs> Switzerland against Czech Republic. Yeah. Right. Um, what's your idea about Team Switzerland and... Um, Yeah, of course, there will be no further uh, games this year in the Euro. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe we could get a Zoom Madden tournament going. I mean, we could we could figure something out. <laughs> Just created teams playing. <laughs> we have some really strong Madden players in Switzerland. So you know, just so you know. Oh, I, I I see that. I see that. No, I mean, how how is the plan about Team Switzerland? Is there some changes or how that? I mean, you play. Yeah. You had a tough schedule. You played against Austria and Italy last year. No, totally. I think that, um, you know, the national team is an interesting topic because uh, we have a lot of excited kids who would love to be on the national team. And I think this applies to any country. I personally know a few guys who are on the national team, either in Switzerland or in other parts of Europe. And for them, it's a great honor to be there with the national anthem and the flag and all that. It's brilliant, especially for a minority sport like American football in Europe, right? But um, how do we make it um, sustainable? And, and how do we ensure that uh, teams don't feel like we're just throwing money out the window? Well, we need to put in a lot of hours to make sure that the training camp aspect, the preparation aspect, everything that goes around it is also solid, right? And, and I don't know if historically we've been at 100% of what we can do. In, in those departments. Um, I think that in, in the past, we have maybe thrown a bunch of guys together from the NLA and said, you know, go play Italy and see what happens. Um, and, and that hasn't really generated the kind of results that we want. So um, Claudio has brought in some guys um, to help us out uh, with, with that. You know, we got a guy, uh, Sasha Gabo, who's got, come in uh, to help us a little bit with that. We have a few other people Uh, working for us at the moment. Um, but of course, in the current situation, it's really hard to put a, yeah. a, a solid product on the table, right? And, and it's also hard for the teams to commit any kind of resources in terms of budget to a product when it's not yet there, right? So it's like, hey, guys, give us the seed capital. We're going to make this work. So already the base proposition is a tricky one. But on top of that, right now, we can't really do any form of training camp um, and we're not sure if there's going to be, you know, any kind of games until 2021, be they friendly or otherwise. Right. So no. definitely an area that we're looking at and, and we would love to work on, um, especially if we can get some kind of junior national team uh, uh, going there as well. If we can develop that aspect as well, that would be great. I think in my personal opinion, because, you know, the senior guys, they're there and, and okay, they get their medal. It's, it's great. But um, if you can also have this carrot, Uh, uh, for juniors to be on the national team, that could also be, um, you know, that's, that, I think that's an area that we could develop further. Let me, let me put it to you that way. Um, yeah. But that goes back to my initial comment about developing junior football in Switzerland further as a whole. 
Okay. Um, normally, right now for the national team, how many teams do you have in the youth? Is there like a U19, U17, or how's that current setup national team-wise? My understanding is that there are two teams. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area. You know, I'm, I'm very bird's eye view with the national teams, but my understanding is that historically we've had two teams, so U19 and seniors. Okay. Um, okay. Could there be other teams in the future? I don't know. Right. I think that for the moment, if we can put a polished U19 and senior product on the field, that's already a big win for us. Right. Um, and I think that uh, the path to that comes through consistency in training camp processes and, and uh, uh, recruitment uh, of, of players into, into, the, into, the, um, into the team. So this is something that Sasha and, and others are working on right now. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of talented people in our organization who um, are, are looking at different options and we have actually been partnering relatively closely also with Swiss Olympic and our local youth and sport. So Jeunesse and Sport, YNS, um, at, at the Swiss level to see if they can provide some, some guidance and counsel. And one announcement that I can make, uh, which I don't know is on our, if it's on our website or not, but we announced this to teams about 10 days ago uh, in the midst of this, all this bad news with the pandemic is that we have now been recognized as a sport by youth and sport in Switzerland. Um, so what that means is that as of, uh, I believe, autumn of 2021 or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, we will have the ability to have um, coaches and, and trainers being recognized as youth trainers and delivering structured youth training programs to our kids. And uh, that partnership will be a source of revenue for us will be a source of financing. Maybe we can throw some of that at coaches. We can throw some of that at teams mm -hmm. to help them develop their junior programs. And so this kind of goes hand in hand uh, with what I was saying about developing juniors. And this, this is really the brainchild of Claudio. Uh, Claudio has been working on this uh, for years, you know, prior to taking over as president of the league. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's a big win for us to be recognized at, at, the, at the Swiss level. Uh, as a minority sport, we'll see where it goes. Right now, it's still very, you know, at the draft stage, we still need to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, but uh, this, the bottom line here is more money for, for youth. And hopefully, the, uh, uh, the trickle down is stronger uh, youth teams, both at the uh, club and national level. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that, we hope the, all the best for you. Um, how is about coaching in, in Switzerland? You have, uh, you try to build a coaching license system or school system, because this was one thing what I, I was wondering when I was coming there in, in 2019 and uh, 2018, I was like, whoa, there's, there was no, so far, no, no license system for coaches. Sure. Um, is there something going on or, or how that goes? Yeah, so this is definitely one of the topics uh, on the table. Uh, this is a topic that was discussed as recently as the last General Assembly when we were elected. Um, and so, yeah, it's a tough one. So basically, if I put my, you know, if I keep my staff hat on, obviously, we need to have some kind of coaching training certification yeah. process that ensures that uh, the people who have responsibility for, for the children that we're putting into football in Switzerland and, and then the adults as well, but to a lesser extent, are responsible, are doing things in a safe way, are teaching football the correct way. Um, and of course, we could benefit from a program like that. Um, 
then if I take my SAF hat on and I put my, you know, realistic or whatever practical hat on yeah. in a practical sense, when I look at teams today in Switzerland and when I look at the resources that we have, um, there are a few hiccups here. There are a few problems here. So I think that the younger teams, the teams where maybe it's a quarterback coaching the team or, you know, somebody who played for a few years in a bigger team, uh, not an experienced coach uh, training the team. Um, there's a pride aspect there. You know, they don't want to be like, what I need training. I'm good. You know, like, you know, I, I got it all figured out. I played, you know, hundred hours of Madden, you know, I've watched the NCAA. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you have this attitude, right. Yeah. Which is, which is something we need to get over. Yeah. And then you have the attitude of the top coaches in, in the sport in Switzerland at the NLA level, you know, the Broncos, the Basel, the Bern, the Geneva, the, the Winter tour, uh, the, 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 the guys are going kind of up and down, but really if I'm, if, if I'm looking at the very, very top and I'm looking at Geneva and Kalanda and, and Larry and Jeff, um, these guys, their resources are stretched pretty thin. And I don't know if it's interesting for them to go to the equivalent of a beginner German class in terms of football coaching, you know, um, these guys have been in the game, in the sport for decades. Uh, they could teach this type of class, yeah. right? So to tell them, hey guys, you need to get certified, um, it's it's tough. It's tough to make that yeah. hurdle. So if you have best practices to share from from Germany, I'm all ears, right? <laughs> because yeah. these two buckets, they're hard to manage from from those from those angles. Yeah, that's what we do in, in in Czech Republic because we had the same. We like, okay, we want to develop the national team with many national coaches. And we were doing exactly, we like guys like Buffin or Larry, we say, you get your license if you teach my guys. You know, mm. if you come as a teacher, you will get your license. And because that, that's always a great thing, because when you put someone in, the people don't know, they're always like, oh, you know, I'm not one of yeah. them. You know, I'm Division Four coach, you know, I'm just waiting for the call yeah. of the favorites. Right. You know, and all that stuff. And, and that's what we did. We did. We put the, the head coaches and coordinators. I mean, also Basel has great coaches and mm. um, the, the junior. No, coaches. there's 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 definitely strong talent in in, yeah. in Switzerland in terms Absolutely. of coaching. Now, there's not dozens of professional coaches in Switzerland, but there's at least at least a handful. And we would love to uh, use their their services and their abilities to um, train to train other coaches. Now. It's just a question of, of looking at uh, their resources, looking at the time they have and using it effectively and throwing a proposition at them that isn't like, you know, three weekends full and, and right. It needs to be something that is compact and balanced and useful that everybody can, can appreciate. So is that a weekend? Is that a day? I don't know. Um, but we have to start somewhere. So this is not something that we're actively, I would say, working on right now. You know, the main focus is still obviously how do we manage the pandemic? When can we yeah, start again, right? But it's definitely, if we were not in a pandemic situation, this would definitely be one of our big topics. How do we push this through? You know, how can we make this work? So beyond uh, the national teams and uh, developing youth football, this would also be one of the topics that we would want to focus on as an association. We just, we're just not there yet. Um, but you know, we have the guys, we have the guys, we just need to motivate them. We need to put something in front of them that, uh, is tangible and, and appealing 
Um, I personally have experience with uh, getting Larry from Geneva involved with running a free clinic for um, the players from my former team, the Centurions, right? And, and he agreed to do that because uh, he saw that as an opportunity to just spread awareness about his program in Geneva um, for some of the more motivated players. I saw this as an opportunity to just get some time with a guy who just, you know, oozes football knowledge, right? And so when, when you put it in that kind of tangible win-win format, like I think what you're saying in the Czech Republic, it works. But it, it requires time and effort to oh, yeah. put that together, right? And um, very frequently, nobody wants to make that first step. Nobody wants to be the guy who's initiating. Everybody's like, oh, I'll do it, you know, if the other team does it. I'll do it if this coach yeah. does it, right? It's, it's, yeah. Usually that's how these conversations go. So work in progress. Fingers crossed we can motivate some of these guys to, to get it to, you know, put it together and and, and motivate uh, them to spend their time. Um, you know, do we throw some, some money, some resources at this? Do we offer them uh, some, something, something to motivate, to stimulate them? I don't know. Um, so we need to figure that out. But I definitely know that we have a few guys in Switzerland. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Jeff, I'm looking at Larry. Dwayne, obviously, in Basel as well. Robin Haas over there with the junior program. And uh, John Jordan, who's our... Uh, uh, technical director, head of the youth program in Bern, you know, these are all guys. And of course, you know, Vince Tour and the other teams as well. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of talent. And some of this talent is coming and leaving Switzerland. But the guys I just mentioned by name, they've been here for some years. I don't think they're going anywhere. They're not mercenary coaches. And um, if we can get them involved um, as, as trainers, um, that would be brilliant. I just, I'm just not sure what the path towards that is right now. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds sounds like a good plan because this is um, that's what it is. You need to you need coaches on the table because then what's the other thing? What you mentioned, um, then it stops at one point to bring. Oh, you're the quarterback. You're also the offense coordinator. Yeah, and then yeah. so you get the next guy, and the next guy, and the next. Yeah, guy. Is and 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 to just go back and put a footnote on my comment about my my previous team, the Centurion. So yeah. uh, when we had that session. It was an open session hosted by the Centurions. It wasn't just for our team. And so what ended up happening is that you had guys coming from the Riviera Saints. You had guys coming from, from the Moorish Bandits. You had a bunch of regional guys, Monte Rhinos, who were like an hour and a half away, right? All these guys came just to be part of this clinic with Larry. And, um, you know, so there's definitely interest from the player side. And I think that we can apply the same logic to uh, the kind of guys we're talking about with coaching, you know, the, the former quarterbacks, uh, the armchair quarterbacks of Madden, these types of guys, I'm sure would love to be on a field with Larry learning the ropes or, or with Jeff or with these other guys learning the ropes. Um, we just need to think of a format and, and a timeline. And, you know, maybe the pandemic is an opportunity for us to revisit this, right? Maybe if we're not able to put a football product on the field, uh, this year, or, or we struggle to do that, then maybe we have some coaching clinics, maybe we have some zoom sessions, you know, maybe we can throw something together. And you're definitely planting some seeds in my brain that I'm going to take back to my committee and, and you know, yeah. talk about talk about all this. Right? No, definitely. I mean, because like, for example, here in Germany, they have what they have the A, B and C license, right? Coach Sebastian? Yeah. Um, and it starts off from like the C is the lowest and it's the B, then it's the A. Funny thing you're talking about before, um, cause I was also coaching for the, the state team in Bavaria for seven seasons. And in the beginning, you didn't have to have the license. Right. And then at some mm. point they came to us and then they said, Oh, you need to get it. It's a requirement. 
And for some of us, like we've been coaching here for six years, like, and then they told us we had to pay for it. And it was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. No, but cause it was, it was like an exception that they basically had in the beginning. And then, then basically the, the Bavaria Federation tried to change certain things. So you kind of mm. get that. Um, but for the most part, from what I know, was it first league, you need to have at least, it was an A license coach on staff, right? Right. So for in, us to compete. In, in every GFL team, you have to get one coach with the A license, which is the highest license yeah. you can get. And C license, I think it's a must. You have to be the, the lowest license is the C. I think if you want to coach juniors, kids, you have that C license. Right. And this is really like, how you work with kids, sure. how you, you know, concussion. Yeah. And that is not like how you want to defend the OPO offense, you know? No, sure, sure. It's, no, I hear what you're saying. I think that um, with the thing I mentioned that's coming up next year with yeah. youth and sport, we have a mechanism there where we're getting federal funding yeah. uh, from Switzerland to develop our, to train the trainers, right? Yeah. And I think that these two things are not in separate buckets. These two things are, are explicitly combined, right? So yeah. even if this year we're not able to put something together for yeah. lack of time, resources, because of the pandemic, whatever, I'm certain that in the future with this program supporting our sport in Switzerland, we will have the structure and the resources to make uh, coaches training a reality. It's just, you know, it's, it's purely draft. It's a purely in, in a draft planning phase right now. We just secured um, this approval, this good news from youth and sport uh, uh, earlier in April. It's still very fresh. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're definitely never going to be at the level of the GFL, but we can definitely make some progress. And I think we now have the tools to do so. Yeah. Uh, one last question. Um, what do you think? I mean, football get more and more public and more and more famous than Europe about, you know, NFL is shown mm. on, on free TV. Uh, is Switzerland overall, you feel there is a feedback for you too? As you say, there's more kids calling the teams, coming in. I mean, Switzerland is like four languages, also French mm. language, Italian. Um, is there a a boom, a football boom in, in, in Switzerland right now or before the pandemic? Um, that depends on what you're looking at, right? Depends on which statistical segment you're looking at. So to go back to my previous comment, I think, you know, we're somewhere around 3,000, maybe more. I should, I should have prepared for this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, but uh, what I remember, what I remember, because I did an interview recently with um, with one a, a newspaper in Geneva, and we were talking about this as well. And what I remember from digging through our statistics on our website is that we have not had significant growth with senior football um, for for years. You know, there's been growth. There's been growth. It's been steadily growing, and the overall number of teams has gone up. Um, you know, now we have a C League. We didn't really have a C League, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, and now we have a C League that needs to be split in two divisions because it's so big. And we're talking about, oh, do we get a D League? Do we get an E League? Right. So, so overall, the amount of clubs and and football teams in Switzerland has been steadily growing. But the really the biggest spike that's really noticeable. Uh, is with youth football. So with youth football, I think it's doubled or even tripled in the past 10 years mm -hmm. um, if we consider youth tackle and youth flag. And so really, this is, this is an indicator for me that 
in spite of, um, you know, safety concerns, in spite of the fact that uh, the free channels like SRF and RTS and the French side aren't necessarily showing the Super Bowl anymore because they just don't see the, the, the benefit of doing it. Uh, you know, it, it, it comes and it goes. It's not clear uh, if it's going to happen or not. And you don't, you know, you see the Super Bowl in some bars, but it's not like it's everywhere, right? Yeah. Even though the, 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 the curve of um, media has flattened, over the last couple of years, and we've not seen a continuous progression in Europe, um, there is a slow upwards trickle. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a slow upwards trickle overall in terms of interest, mm -hmm. in spite of uh, all the things I mentioned. Um, but with the youth, it's actually booming. You know, it's actually, and I think that comes from, it's not just sitting around throwing footballs around in parks and waiting for stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. We have very talented people at the club level, at the association level, um, in places like Coeur and Geneva and, and Basel and, and Bern and, and everywhere across uh, Switzerland who are going to schools, who are partnering with schools to do flag demonstrations, who are doing little training camp things and, and training days and, and outreach, word of mouth and social media outreach to attract youth. And it's working. Um, I know that if I take my former club as an example, we went from no youth program to 50 guys in one year. So if you really, you know, put, well, then we lost them the next year, right? Yes. So it wasn't, <laughs> you need to get the kids and you need to get the players in the, but then you need the personnel and the coaching to keep that going. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. And that's why you always see teams rising and falling in these amateur leagues like we have in Switzerland, right? Uh, where at best we're looking at semi-professional teams at the top, top level. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think it's growing. I think the interest has not stopped. I think that people are still discovering um, the, the benefits of football, not just, the, not just the dangers and the drawbacks, but also the benefits. You know, it's a sport for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, white, black, uh, big, small, uh, fat, lean, whatever. There's a position for you on the mm -hmm. field. And if there isn't, there's a position for you on the sideline or, or in the um, uh, organizations that uh, support these teams. And, and I think the diversity and the inclusion that we can offer as a sport in comparison to other more exclusive and selective sports like, you know, I don't know, uh, well, football, uh, which, which tends to, well, soccer, European soccer tends to be really uh, um, uh, not, I don't, I don't think it's as inclusive, you know, you don't have the, the bigger guys in there like we do. Right. And, and it's, it's not always open to everybody. A lot of times guys are really like, Oh no, it's just my guys. You can't go. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas football, we need 50 guys. We need 50 guys yeah. on a team. So we're going to be as inclusive as we can be. And some teams, you know, I look at Lucerne at your former team, you got two, two teams, you know, I know Kalanda's had two teams in the past. Mm -hmm. Other teams have had two teams. Um, so, uh, overall the message is, continuous steady growth and um, a lot of growth at the youth level and hopefully more to come. And that will really um, depend on the efforts of the volunteers and the personnel around these organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we come to an end and it was a great talk with you, a great uh, look into Switzerland football mm. with, a, with, a, with a bright future, I feel, because Switzerland is a great country and doing a lot for sports. And I think uh, the Federation is with you and uh, Claudio as a on the board on a, on a perfect way to, to grow. So we all hope this Corona goes as fast as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we can uh, 
we, we can see uh, great teams growing up there and of course other good coaches. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank, thanks for having me, you know, and, and uh, uh, I, I do want to spe- send a, a special shout out to, to two groups. So one is, uh, is uh, you know, the Centurions, <laughs> we do have like maybe a handful of veterans still playing. So a shout out to them. Uh, uh, and uh, another one is to the guys on the board working alongside me. So um, I'm definitely used as a mouthpiece here and there because I like to talk. Uh, but the heavy lifting, the heavy lifting is done by uh, you know the guys like John Jordan, our uh, our technical director, and and Sasha Gavo and and Claudio and Raymond with the refereeing. Um, you know we we got a lot of talent in that uh, in that committee and in a lot of the subcommittees that uh, work with us. Uh, you know we we got great guys also looking at our our junior program. So. Special shout out to all these guys that put in the hard work and uh, uh, also, uh, you know, a, a message to the teams. You're, you're going to hear it from us again. And, and uh, you've heard it from us before. If we can put football on the field in Switzerland this year, we'll do it. Uh, we just need to see how we can do this in a safe way that doesn't break the rules with the government and doesn't put our players and coaches and referees into any danger. Um, you know, more than usual. <laughs> so let's see if we can make it work. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, Gleb. Appreciate it. Cause even for me, it was very insightful since, you know, I've never had anything to do with Switzerland football. So it's really nice seeing, let's say somebody new coming into it. And also like what you just said, there's multiple people that are involved in this, basically that new vision and structure you guys are pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see kind of like getting out from you. Cause you know, you, you, you now have that fresh insight come in. So at least for me, it's been also eye opening kind of, Listen, how you guys are trying to do things because there's some things that I like that I think, to be honest, they could be doing that also in the GFL, you know, so appreciate it very much. Also, you taking the time out of your day because you could be spending. No, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, if, if we can teach something to the GFL, wow, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a big achievement for us, right? Because obviously you guys are one of the best leagues outside of North America. Um, but uh, uh, obviously for us, a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about, this is at the theoretical level and ultimately there's a lot of elbow grease that still needs to go into it Mm -hmm. before we can make this a reality. I think we do have the benefit of being smaller and more nimble than what more uh, well-established leagues and associations, but that also has its drawbacks when you're trying to get volunteers and funding. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day and thanks for your time. Yeah, you too guys. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.